0: Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell with shopify you'll harness the same intuitive features trusted apps and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands sign up today for your one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech all lowercase that's shopify.com slash tech greetings and welcome to another episode of canadian history x if you like you can support the podcast for as little as three dollars a month just go to patreon.com CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. From John to Justin, which releases every single Friday. Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. And Coast to Coast, which releases every single Thursday. I do all of these podcasts full time. The writing, the research, everything. So, every doll you give helps keep it all going and I'll make sure I thank you on the air and throughout my social media. If you like, you can email me at at craigatcanadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram at bairdo37. Long before Europeans arrived in the area, the land that would be Oyen was occupied by the Blackfoot people who moved through the landscape following the immense bison herds that dominate the land. As the 1800s progressed, the bison herds began to dwindle until they were finally gone for good by the 1870s. With the loss of the bison, the indigenous were pushed to reserves by the federal government through treaty negotiations. Today, Oyen is on Treaty 6 land. that treaty was signed in 1876 at the turn of the 20th century there was little around oyen the land had seen the demise of the bison and the indigenous were pushed to reserves as a new wave of settlers were starting to arrive in 1908 a man by the name of andrew oyen decided he wanted to try his hand at homesteading walking all the way from spokane washington He picked up a homestead but had to return to America as he had no real shelter beyond a tent and these winters would be harsh in the area. He would arrive back in the spring in 1909 and settled into his new home on his new land. In 1911, a man named Billy Bishop, and no, not the famous person of that name, established a stopping place for travellers. He would have a tiny store and a blacksmith shop on his land, and he would try to build up a new community called Bishopburg. Unfortunately for Bishop, the railroad had other ideas when it did not purchase his land. Instead, the Canadian Northern Railway chose to purchase land from Andrew Oyen for the new town site. By the fall of 1912, the railway would arrive in Oyen, and on January 17, 1913, Oyen became a village. The name of Bishopburg never really took off and instead Oyen was chosen to honor the man whose land became a town site. It did not take long for the community to begin to grow and by 1915 there were 225 people living in Oyen which had several businesses and three grain elevators along the rail line. One man to arrive in the district slightly before Oyen was Western Ostrander He not only would see the town spring up and the area grow with settlers, but he would also live to within one year of man landing on the moon. Reaching 100 years of age is a huge achievement, and while we have many people who live to 100 years and beyond than never before, that wasn't always the case. For a community to have a resident hit 100, that's a big deal, and Oyen had just that in 1965 when Ostrander celebrated his 104th birthday in the community one of the oldest men in Kent at the time, he was described as incredibly fit and well, and he still enjoyed long walks in the community. As it turned out, he would live until the age of 106 when he passed away at the Calgary Bowview Nursing Home on January 8, 1968 in Calgary. He had come to the Oyen District in 1909 and lived there for nearly 60 years until he moved to Calgary in the last year of his life. When the Spanish flu hit the area in 1918, Oyen would be hit especially hard. To stem the spread of the terrible disease that would go on to kill 50,000 Canadians, the entire community would shut itself off from the rest of the world. Oyen banned all track going into and out of the community, and tickets would be issued to anyone who violated the town quarantine. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. i spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of Explornet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, Explornet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. The first school in the area was Feedview School, built near the village in 1912. The classroom of the school was quickly too small with 30 students sitting in the school by 1915. A new school was built in 1915, costing $6,000 or $149,000 today. Work on the school began in early September of 1915, but there was a problem. The board had not received authorization for the plans from the Minister of Education for the province. The minister refused to approve the debenture, and with that, the school construction stopped completely. The board was completely fired in 1916, and the whole matter went before the court the following year. The ratepayers of Oyen then decided to cut their losses and borrow $4,000 to construct a new building on a different piece of land. The other, half-finished school, would sit there for several years until it was finally torn down. Finally, the new school was finished and everyone was happy with it, calling it one of the most up-to-date schools in the province. Then, three days after it opened, on March 11, 1918, smoke began to pour out of the building. Believed to have started in the furnaces, the flames quickly spread through the school. What made it worse was that it was going to be the first day of school for students in the area. Within two hours, the school was gone, and the saga of having a school continued for the people of Oyen. The residents didn't give up, though. The students would do their schooling at the Methodist Church, and through another loan and hard work, a new school would open in mid-September 1918. That school still stands to this day in the community. In the mid-1920s, Oyen would suffer one of its worst events in its history, a terrible fire that nearly destroyed the entire town. It was on January 22, 1927, when a fire started between 8am and 9am that day, wiping out nearly the entire business district of the community. Firefighters and volunteers all worked hard to save what they could, and they would successfully save the railway station, thanks to some help from the local train crews as well. The fire is believed to have started in the attic of a general store, but the cause of the fire was never found. The fire quickly began to spread, eventually burning through five buildings on the west side of Main Street and then several more along the street. In the fire, the town lost a cafe, a butcher, a general store, a dental office, the post office, a hardware store, and another general store. A water shortage didn't help matters for the firefighters who were doing their best to combat the flames. Volunteers also helped get things out of the buildings that were in danger, saving a great deal of stock and other important items from the businesses that would eventually succumb to the flames. By 11.30am, the fire was out and roughly $100,000 in damages would be reported, amounting to $1.5 million today. As with most places, people picked up the pieces and got back down to work, and by the end of the year, a new hardware store would be open along with a new hospital and several other businesses that rose from the ashes. The loss of several buildings also helped other businesses expand, including the hotel and the electric light plant, greatly helping the community grow as a result. The town was aided by a huge crop that year, which helped boost spirits and bring in a lot of money in the community as well. In 1962, Melody Davidson would be born in Coronation, but by the time she was in grade 3, she was living in Oyen with her family. After attending Red Deer College and then going to the U of A, she would begin to coach her brother's hockey team in 1978, and then started coaching women's hockey in 1989. She would lead Team Alberta at the 1991, 1995, and 1999 Canada Winter Games. She then took over as the assistant coach of the Canadian national women's hockey team at the 2002 Winter Olympics. The team would win gold and Davidson would begin coaching at Cornell. In 2006, she would become the head coach of the Canadian women's team, helping them win the gold medal once again. In 2010, she again won another gold medal with the team. And for her success as a coach on the national stage, she was inducted into the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame and the Olympic Hall of Fame. In the summer of 1968, a terrible storm descended upon the community. The storm hit on June 25, 1968, and it started with a light rain shower, but soon developed into a significant storm with severe lightning. The lightning would strike several places in the community, including the swimming pool where the motor was damaged. The damage was so severe on the pool that it had to be closed for some time as a result. In August of 2013, the community celebrated its 100th anniversary with the unveiling of a beautiful centennial clock. The Legacy Project was created to serve as a reminder of the history of the community and the pioneers who helped make the community what it is today. The clock is actually quite tall and has become a landmark for the community in a very short amount of time. If you would like to learn more about the history of Oyen, then I encourage you to check out the Oyen Crossroads Museum. The museum consists of nine buildings that all have specific themes to highlight the history of the area through the artifacts housed inside. It even has an escape room to try out. At the museum, you will find the old West Side School, a 1917 farmhouse that was built near Sebald, Alberta, the Ukrainian Catholic Church built in 1914, Benton Hall that was once a one-room schoolhouse during the early 1900s, a 1935 blacksmith shop, a cooking car from the railroad in the 1920s, and a machinery shed that features a Model T Ford and a 1928 Hart Par and more. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Oyen, Alberta. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Again, if you like, you can support the podcast through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. And I'd like to say thank you to all of my wonderful patrons. And if I mispronounce any names, I do apologize. Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, one anonymous person who I really appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rois, Luke Guess, JP Baer, Jason Hall, and Iris Gray. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.